Hi, I'm Mara Webster with InCreative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the Hulu series Candy. We are joined today by executive producer and actor Jessica Beale, as well as executive producer Michelle Purple, and the two of them also run Iron, si Iron Ocean Productions together. And I wanted to actually ask you about the original genesis of your partnership and your production company, because I love the fact that you made a short film together, Hole in the Paper Sky, as kind of a test in, and just kind of really feeling out each other's rhythm, seeing if this really worked as a creative collaboration with one another and was so interested in kind of the moment where you realized we really want to work together we think this would be a great partnership but let's just do a, a short film and just kind of test the waters first and what really came out of the ideas that you then had for your company based off the back of that experience together well the, I'll, I'll do this because that I know what you're gonna say go ahead I know what you're gonna was, say was for me to torture Jessica a little bit because <laughs> when we decided to start the company you know, she had been an actress for many, many years, but never on the other side of the camera. So I was like, you need to know what happened. Not that she didn't have know what happens, but really in a different level, know the process and what happens when you get to go back to your trailer. So during that short film, I no joke had her make coffee, block traffic, push yep. a dolly. Yep. I didn't do any of that, but I made her do all of that. <laughs> it was a one-sided test. It, it was I didn't know the test at the time until many years later, as we're doing these interviews, she was telling the story about how that was a test. And I thought, holy shit, <laughs> that was a test. You know? <laughs> um, but it was, it was some of the best learning experiences I had, you know, of like, okay, this is what you have to do when you have a, like a very, very low budget, a tiny script, a tiny crew. Someone needs to do craft service. That was me. Someone needs to push the dolly. That was me. Someone needs to act in the thing. That was me. I mean, it was, so, <laughs> it was really fun. And it was, it kind of felt like what I would guess film school movie making would have been like, you know, where you have this tiny skeleton crew and you're all doing a million jobs and you're all so profoundly invested and it doesn't matter. You're just all helping each other. It was really fun. But the genesis of our collaboration, our creative collaboration was we were both working on stealth. Michelle was producing that Rob Cohen film. She was running his company at the time. I was starring in it with Jamie Foxx and Josh Lucas. And we were in Sydney, Australia, like two girls, two young girls completely alone in the world, you know, in this strange new country, best country. We love that place. Um, and we kind of kept looking around going, is, is, is this the kind of movie that we love? would we even watch this movie? You know, we, we started to become really good friends and we started to watch movies together. And we realized we had a similar sensibility and Michelle taught me all about John Hughes and <laughs> all of the films from her childhood. And I shared with her all of the weird films from my childhood. And we, we both were feeling the, the real deep desire to take more control of our own careers. And we thought, you know what, let's do this. Let's, let's build a company. Let's, we didn't even have any big aspirations other than let's make movies we want to watch. Yeah. And it started back in Australia. I really love that. And then, you know, kind of jumping forward in creating this series with Candy, 
there's there's a lot of different ways in which this story could be told, but it is very specifically told through the perspective of, you know, all of the information that we got from the trial that happened from the, the retelling from Candy's perspective. And I was interested how, you know, research elements like the book Evidence of Love, getting to talk to the authors of the book, even having access to one of the defense lawyers that was on the trial, um, really informed a lot of the, the detailing that went into telling the story from that perspective and making sure that everything you were telling wasn't about an interpretation of, of events, but really about the detailing of how she said everything happened, specifically very much coming from the court case as well. Yes. Um, that was a very deliberate move because, I mean, what we, we only have one side of the story. So we're really not trying to convince anybody one way or the other. We're, we really felt that the best and most respectful way to do this um, because there are people alive whose lives have been altered, you know, profoundly by that experience um, was to really carefully follow these documents that this is Candy's story. That's all we're saying. It's really up to you, the audience slash the jury, you know, to make your decision and make your well, make your mind up about what you think is true and what you think happened. Cause we don't know. And we're not pretending to know and just doing well, making careful decisions to try to follow what candy said happened just felt like the most respectful and appropriate way to do that. I mean, the, the tone of the series is also really interesting because it's it's so much about these small moments in everyday life between these two characters. And within that, we get this wider conversation of all these other topics as well. And it also, that tone at the beginning also makes the juxtaposition of violence feel the way that it does and feel incredibly shocking. Was it important to you that you really kind of focus in on, on the nuanced elements of like those small everyday life things, the commentary that that could create so that when we get to that point where we do see, you know, the aggression between the two of them and, and what happens in that scene, that that just really kind of pulled the audience in a completely different way. Michelle, do you want to talk at all? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is our relationship. This is just you know, really seeing. Like, no. Well, the tone to me was, Jessica and I once laughed while we were on set. We're like, it feels like a comedy or it feels, it didn't feel like we were, it, it's such a specific tone, which we credit so much of that to the writer, Robin. She is so specific and amazing and had such a vision for this. And, you know, we always say that we wanted to just support that vision because it was so clear. And I think the tone, I think it was a, a digestible way to tell this story. And it sort of spoke to the time period we were talking to where you sort of buried a lot of things, you know, a, a lot of the, the shit you were dealing with. You didn't talk about it. So, um, just it also, it also did make the horror feel so shocking, right? That you're watching, you're, you're, you're a part of these mundane moments in these people's lives in this very suburban, very relatable, um, community. You know, a lot of us grew up in these kind of smaller, you know, outskirts of town communities where not a lot's going on, you know, and it's, 
it's like you have the same routine and you get the kids to school and then you're kind of hanging around and then you hang out with a friend and then you pick pick the kids up and you just you're, you're like the chauffeur you know all of these little mundane moments this monotony that was so important for us to expose and portray that because we wanted to show that there is a deep well of feelings and emotions that are unexpressed. And these two very different, but quite similar women, um, you know, they're bubbling up. All of these things are bubbling up inside both of them. You know, and you're mentioning obviously there, like the real horror of the violence in, in that particular scene later on in the show as well. And it sounds like there were conversations back and forth about whether to even include that. Um, what were kind of some of the different dialogues that you were having about whether it was important to include that scene and what ultimately was the tipping point of why it felt important to include that for the audience? Yeah, there were lots of conversations uh, from starting from we're shooting the entire thing to we're not shooting any of it to we're shooting the entire thing again. And I think it, it was to really process like, what is the right thing to do? Right. And to tell the story. And as Jessica mentioned earlier, this is Candy's point of view. This is her point of view and what she believes or what she said happened in that room that day. Right. And posing that you can ask, the audience can then ask themselves, do they believe her? Do we believe her? And I do, I do not know. Right. I, I wasn't sure. I went back and forth too, because we, you know, as producers, what Michelle and I, one of the, one of the many things we've learned is our job is different on every show, on every film. What, what does it need from us? Sometimes it needs you to just sit back and shut up and let the creators create. And this was sort of one of those on some level where Robin was, Robin's so talented. She had this perspective, like Michelle mentioned, she knew what she wanted to do with it and she just did it beautifully. And there was just, there was not too much we had to fight with her about. And she, we, we really, we really trust her implicitly. And when she came to us and said, I have this crazy idea, I don't want to shoot anything of the, of the fight. And here's why. And she explained it in such a way that I thought, okay, that sounds totally crazy, but I trust you, Robin. And I've learned that the more trust we have in her, the, the more she can thrive with her process. So I agreed for a minute and then Michelle and I kept talking about it. And then I started to have sort of buyer's remorse. So I thought, oh, I don't know. Oh God, maybe we should shoot something. We should, we should probably have something just so when we get into the editing room, we could cut. So then we sort of talked to her about having something. And then she kind of, her pendulum swung back the other way. <laughs> she said, no, wait, you know, I want to do this whole different idea where she changed the whole last part of the episode where it sort of moves into that surrealist experience where the courtroom empties out. Ghost Betty is there. And Candy is looking straight into the lens, like looking at the audience, like you're the jury now. Now I'm talking straight to you. And that was never originally in the script. Mm -hmm. Once she changed that, then she said, I can get, we can get both. We can do both. We can have this empty courtroom where all of this is being spoken about and you're, she's convincing you. And then we have these visuals and then the visuals aren't, don't always make sense. How did that happen? But the sunglass lens is still out in the garage, but the door's closed but there's a sunglass lens out there. So why is the door closed? You know, like there are these things that we just, we just shot just as they were told in the court documents 
even though they didn't totally make sense because to, for Candy's defense, that those elements were left out because they didn't make any sense. Um, so the tipping point, I think Robin just, she had an epiphany. She had another epiphany. She had a big, huge knowledge bomb. And she's like, we're shooting everything, <laughs> which we felt really happy about. Honestly, I said to Michelle, if we can just shoot it all, if we can, we were trying to get an extra couple of days, remember, mm-hmm. just to make sure we could shoot the whole court sequence, shoot the whole fight sequence. And then we have a plethora of treasures and options when we get into the editing room to really make those decisions. Cause a show like this is the magic is really finely put together in that room, in that dark little room, you know? Yeah. We had really great partners on this one with UCP mm-hmm. and Hulu. They were Amazing. so supportive. We were so, so aligned with them creatively, all of us. It was it was one of those experiences, and I, I mentioned this to Jordan Hellman at Hulu, and I was like, can we do that again? Because this was nice. This was, yeah. and it was, they were really supportive of the creative. You know, and, and you're talking as well there about some of the court sequences, and those are always quite challenging scenes to approach within any film or any series, because there's a lot of kind of one-way conversation. It's not necessarily a dialogue between characters. There's a lot of characters kind of sitting, listening, rather than being active participants in the conversation, a lot of emotions that have to happen underneath the surface. Um, and I actually thought one of the most interesting aspects of it was that idea of, you know, when there's violence against a woman, that woman is still on trial as well. Betty's dead and yet she's still being defamed further. Like, well, she was shy, she was awkward. Here's all the reasons why someone would have potentially done this. Um, and so I was interested in, in knowing that you only had a finite amount of time within the show to really capture elements like that within the court case, as well as you know Candy's version of events, cutting between that and the different scenes, kind of how everybody came up with the idea of what were the most important aspects of that to show, because obviously that's an area where there's so many more research materials available in terms of a lot of the court transcripts and so much more that could have been on screen. Yes. Um, that once again was really Robin. She kind of combed through all of this information and her with her team of writers and our other creative, uh, our other creator, Nick and Tosca, her partner, um, they, they kind of, they kind of cut out the fat. Like what is, what do we have to know? And interesting, like when I first read the episode five, I, all of the back and forth between the judge and Don Crowder and this kind of you know, adversarial relationship they had, I was sort of thinking, do we need all of this? Like, is that important? But then it was important to create the feeling of what that courtroom was like, that there was all this like bias coming from the judge. And Don Crowder was this sort of unexpected, sort of explosive guy who who was undiagnosed bipolar that he, you know, you find out later in his life. And had never tried a criminal trial before, never, ever, which, and he manages to pull this thing off in the like most unusual way. So that at first glance, I wasn't sure. And yet Robin had the foresight to, to, to think like, no, we need to create the, the weirdness of this trial. And to your point, the kind of popularity contest that the defense 
really sunk its teeth into and cultivated as much as they possibly could, bringing up witnesses. If you read the book or read the court documents, so many of the of the community women came up and, you know, kind of said those things about Betty. Like she was weird. She was she was kind of annoying. She wasn't very nice. She was kind of standoffish. All of those things really implemented or sorry, not implemented, but kind of um, downloaded deeply into the jury's mind, I think. And so they were, they were really good. And Don Crowder was really good at creating a picture of Betty that was suboptimal. And I kind of think on many levels that Kate Candy won that case because she was nice and popular and fun. And, and that was important to show those moments and show those, those aspects of that um, time that maybe on first glance, you're like, why are we watching this fight between these guys? And why are these girls saying this stuff out before? Like, get to it, you know? But that was Robin. I think she really, she felt strongly about that those moments were important and she was right. You know, you're both kind of touching before a little bit on that idea that when you're producing a project, every single project is very different in terms of what the creative team need from you, but also in terms of, of the production itself and what if the, what a lot of those logistical challenges are. And actually for you, Michelle, you know, with all the projects that you've produced, I was interested in what the really unique aspects of this were and whether a lot more of that was leaning on these sorts of conversations in terms of the care and the way that you all wanted to tell the story or whether the unique aspects came more from the, the production side and what that needed from everybody, especially with the fact that it is also a period piece within the series. I think it was a combo of both on this one. I mean, as we keep crediting Robin sincerely, because she's such a visionary, we also had this amazing production team, you know, from our directors to the production designer, to the DP. And there's so many Easter eggs and, and to being authentic to the period. I think it all sort of came together and complemented each other, you know, and, um, this was one that was very well crafted. It's five episodes in, you know, you don't usually have the luxury of having all the scripts completely written before going into production, even though things get massaged. And as you know, we even mentioned earlier, changed along the way to have them all to go into production is such a beautiful gift. Just, it's just lucky. It doesn't happen for all of our projects. Um, so I think it was a little bit of both. I think, you know, uh, the, the, de- the, I think with this one, the details in it, are so special. And if you go back and watch it a second time, you'll pick up on even more things. Yeah, can't wait to do that. You know, and and Jessica, in talking a little bit about your performance and how you kind of found your way into Candy, it sounds like a lot of that was stemming from her childhood, her background, her upbringing, you know, that idea of, of everything that's presented on the surface really being a cover for this real undercurrent and this internal turmoil. And obviously you get to play that more on the surface later on in the show, but it's still present throughout in these very small and quiet ways and small and quiet moments. And so I was interested in how, when you were forming the character, especially because that was such a window into the internal aspect of her, how you made sure that that was kind of always there in a really nuanced way throughout it. So that when everything kind of turns the way it does, that it's not shocking, it's not surprising. It feels like something was bubbling there the whole time. That's, that's, that's the good question because it's the, constant challenge right of like finding that fine line of holding these secrets and holding this pain and holding 
you know, these unsaid things and all of these old traumas and past young childhood things in like this little, you know, treasure box and almost like everything's like trying to bust out of the box, but, but just showing just the, just a teeny tiny glimmer that there may be something that's there, but doing a really good job of covering it up, but not such a good job that you didn't think something was there to begin with. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's the, that's the real challenge in something like this is, um, I think, I think how the, that the best way I know, and through experience of how to counteract that, or just set yourself up for success is options on set, you know, like you, you know, where that middle point is. And, you know, I kind of think about it, like, like a kid's bowling lane with the bumpers on the side, you kind of have to bump up against one side to know, okay, oh, there's the boundary there. And then you kind of try the other side and like hit the bound the, the boundary over there. And you know, okay, I can't go any further than there, but I'm going to give you 25 colors all the way through um, this spectrum of options. So when you get in the editing room and you're watching a take and you're going, I don't see anything here. I, she's not hiding anything. Then you can go to the all the way to the far side and go, oh, she's clearly hiding something. Well, that's too far. And then you, as you come sneaking back closer to the center, you're, you're finding the color of, oh, there's something there, but I don't know what it is, you know? And like, oh, that's the sweet spot. So until you know where that sweet spot is, and sometimes that takes an entire show. Often I get done with something and then I look to Michelle and I go, oh my God, I get it now. <laughs> I get, I know what to do with this character. Can we go back? And you're done. You know, you've like, you, once you've experienced the whole thing, you, that would be the time to then shoot it again. <laughs> um, but it's just always walking that fine line, always walking that fine line of how much, how many secrets do you want to expose and how much do you want to, you know, how, how good are you at, at, at keeping them hidden is, is really and how, and when are you bad at it? You know, it's, it's, it's finding the through line there. You know, and, and you're, you're both kind of mentioning before, obviously Hulu and the partners that you had on this project have been incredibly supportive and, and been great collaborators on it. And I think that there's always an aspect of, of when people learn a little bit about producing, kind of not necessarily knowing some of the conversations to have, some of the questions to ask, to know what that collaboration is going to look like. It's great. Someone wants to green light a project. They want to partner with us. They want to release this. But for both of you, it sounds like you're always very conscientious about the people that you're collaborating with, the networks that you're kind of stepping into into business with and so what did you want the important aspects of how this was released the way that it was going to be supported the way it was potentially going to be promoted what were those aspects that were really important to you beyond just getting the project greenlit and getting it made I think Jessica and I've learned it's wonderful to sell a project but you have to sell it to the right home and the right partners otherwise it's just not going to work it's just not going to work it's not going to be found it's not going to be seen and with what was amazing about Hulu and UCP is we had gone back and forth about how, well, the publicity and marketing were amazing. They, they collaborated with us on the poster and the campaign and everything. We couldn't be more in love with the poster and how they rolled out. You saw what show you were going to see in these trailers. I hate when you watch a trailer, then you watch a show and you're like, that's not the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. They're just trying to get an audience in. So they were trying to tell the same story we were. That was 
very important. But about the release was an interesting conversation because it was like in this new day and age, is it, you know, one a week? Is it two, 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 you know, what, what to do? And they came up with, they were going to drop all five and we wanted to go into Friday the 13th because of the number 13 wrapped around a lot of the story. And they came back and they were like, we want to try something. We want to do a five night event. And we thought it was brilliant and it was special and it made it unique. And so you had the people who wanted to tune in every night, get their fix and that they got to do it. And the people who were like, I'm waiting till Friday and I'll watch all five this weekend. And they got to do it too. But they, they listened to us and collaborated with us on the creative. And then they also brought in this great idea. And I think it really worked to tell this story because it's like a long movie. Right. And I think one a week would have hurt the storytelling of it because you want to consume it. So you could do it both ways. You could satisfy your bingers and your people who want your water cooler moments. Yeah. I, I really love the way that they, they released it. And you're so right that it really made it a special event. Um, you know, and, and Jessica, when you stepped into producing, you know, you've been doing this for several years as a producer and telling such fascinating and wonderful stories. And it, it always sounded like a lot of that came from feeling like the industry wasn't quite aligned with where, you know, you knew you wanted your career to go creatively and who you were as an artist and to try and create those sorts of projects that you wished you'd been getting handed and those sorts of scripts that you'd been getting for roles. Um, you know, and I love the fact that that's really created this space of, of an appetite that existed in audiences as well. Do you feel like now that there, you know, there's a lot more actors that have started production companies have really taken a lot more autonomy over their career, that the industry perspective has changed and caught up with that, or there's still obstacles that come with that it, alongside, you know, acting and producing and running a production company and the way people view that. Yeah, the industry has really changed a lot, actually. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's exciting. You know, it's really made some huge steps um, specifically for uh, stories and, you know, female storytelling for uh, w women in front and behind the camera. That's, that's been a huge change. And it's been an exciting one because there's so much talent and there's so many people that have something interesting to say and now great places like Hulu, like UCP, like all of the partners we've worked with in the past want to take risks and tell these stories. So I do feel like it's changed quite a lot. Are there challenges? Yes. There's always going to be challenges. This is, this, this business is, um, it's a classic for just putting you in the box of what you did last time. And, you know, Michelle and I laugh all the time because we're like, man, all we do is get these weird, dark lady scripts. We're like, we're, we like romance too, you know, you know, it's funny, right? You kind of always have to constantly reinvigorate yourself and, and, and do something fresh, um, not only for your own creative um, sanity, but also because that pigeonhole thing is kind of a real thing. Um, and if you do too many things in a row, even if you're feeling creatively fulfilled, people kind of get stuck with that idea of that. Maybe that's all you are. Um, that's been like that forever. I don't know if that's ever going to change, but I, I, I do, I do feel like, you know, with all of these different streaming opportunities, um, the amount of amazing content and the amount of content that's on television is just phenomenal. Like it's spectacular, all the opportunities that 
everybody has on television and specifically women. We, we are really thriving on in this medium and um, it, it feels really good. I'm really, I'm really proud of the industry. <laughs> Way to go industry. You're doing it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love hearing that there has been that sort of evolution and this is such a fantastic series. And I also just especially love the voice that the two of you have created in the industry and the projects that you've brought to screen. So thank you so much for talking both about Candy and about your production company. It's been such a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's really, really nice to speak with you. Thanks for loving the show. <laughs>